All right. Do, do we want to do the, the countdown to clap? Yeah, we can do that. Okay. Three, two, two one. one. That was perfect for me. Just as good as last time <laughs> for me. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Okay. Um, welcome to episode eight. Um, yes. Oh. It's an even numbered episode for sure. For sure. Because I know the pattern. Yes. Welcome to the Illogically Sound podcast where Noah Arnold, that's you. That's me. Jacob Donald Bitter. Guess who? That's it's you. me. <laughs> Talk about nothing for a while and you somehow stayed interested. <laughs> Isn't that right, Noah? Hold on. Uh, before... Uh, before we get too much into this, um, I'm going to read out, I didn't even think about this until just now, um, I'm going to read out a glowing review that a friend of ours gave us. Um, what, like a year and a half ago? Uh, no, about a week ago, actually. Oh. She said, okay, so she just texted me like Tuesday. She was like, current listening, a bit of a first episode. I'm like, okay. Uh, and then she followed that up with, I'm so confused how this has evolved from one topic to the next. <laughs> so... I think that's yeah. That's, I that's think about that... our conversation style. Yeah. All right. Uh, no. In I, any case, you got our first. You got a, our eighth quote for this week. Yes, I've got. I've got our eighth quote. Um, our quote for this week comes from the uh, the prolific Bowling for Soup, uh, who writes, "High school never ends." I read that one more time for you listeners at home. High school never ends. And that's our show. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Noah is stuck in the past. <laughs> no, so, okay. So, a little bit of backstory. We were originally going to record this episode over the weekend of our high school homecoming. And so mm -hmm. I thought, oh, that would be rather apropos uh, for us to record over that and talk about how high school never ends um but then we didn't end up recording and now we're here which is honestly isn't too much later but yeah so that's kind of the thought process i was in do you want to do you want a little bit of background on this song yeah i would love that or are you asking the reader or the listeners uh i'm asking you because the listeners the listeners are captive to our to our thoughts unless they want to leave in which case i suppose they can um so the song came out in 2006 <laughs> Uh, so it is officially 15 years old yeah. this year. I was in what, third grade? That's third grade level? That sounds about right. Um, it actually celebrated its, its 15th anniversary on <laughs> September 19th, 2006. That song is a high schooler. What? That song is a high schooler, Noah. Oh, shoot, you're right. That song is like a sophomore. <laughs> or like a late game freshman, I suppose. No, it'd be a sophomore, because that's the year we're in right now although if it came out september 19th they might have been held back and maybe they are a freshman i was a freshman at 15 i was held back in preschool though you are right yeah well just because just because of the year thing because what isn't september 1st like the cutoff date for most it depends like and i think you can petition probably for it i'm sure, sure my parents did if they needed to so yeah in any case probably a freshman or a sophomore in high school so that's fun and yeah, 2006 on the album The Great Burrito Extortion Case. Mm. Very 2000s. 
again by the band Bowling for Soup. Uh, written, so uh, this was written by several men in their 30s. <laughs> uh, talking about how high school never ends. I looked up one of the... It was like something Barrett, maybe? Mm-hmm. Something Barnett? I don't remember. Uh, Is he the one who looks like a fridge? Jarrett. Jarrett. Jarrett Reddick. I just kind of looked at the... Um, looked at the list and I clicked on one of them. He was born in 1972, which means he was approximately 34 when he uh, when he released the song High School Never Ends, which is I mean that's 16 years after you graduate. Yeah. But so I mean, that's a little long. Yeah. Eh. What are you going to what are you going to do about it? Um, complain that high school never ends, I suppose. Yeah. I, are they complaining, though? I think they aren't. I think they are. I think they're, uh, according to Wikipedia, um, I think this song deals with the frustration of graduating from high school and saying that modern popular culture is very similar to the obnoxiously superficial and materialistic culture in high school. Okay. <laughs> I would say expand on that, but I think you just read the whole Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> Not the whole Wikipedia page. There's some fun bits about the uh, about the lyrics that were changed for the Disney edit. Yeah. But in any case, I mean, that's the conceit of the song, that high school and real life aren't too much different, I suppose. I don't know. Do, I suppose, do you agree with the conceit of the song? I, I think, in essence, I, could, I agree with that, what the song is portraying Do our listeners need a background to the song more if this is going to be another song episode? <laughs> I'm not, this isn't necessarily a song episode, but I guess like the conceit of the song is the quote, high school never ends. Mm-hmm. I think probably as a product of, of, of its time, when you look at the context of when it came out and who is singing it and whatever, you, I would agree that that's what they meant. Um, at high school never that like they're disappointed to see that when they got out into the real world is all just the same things reskinned but i don't always think that that is necessarily a bad thing because as you grow and as you get new experiences you're not a high schooler anymore sure you're high you are now a person laden with so much more experience and mm-hmm. both negative and positive how to deal with things and how to not deal with things um mm-hmm. That you can solve your high school issues in a way, you know. Okay. Like you can keep encountering them for sure, and the mean popular girls at school are going to be the mean popular women at work, you know. <laughs> but it's just you can find better ways to react to them as you age and get mm. more experience. Sure. I suppose, though. The songwriters would disagree. Mm. The songwriters seem to imply that oh, whatever your station was in high school, I suppose, uh, that is where you will end up in life, and there's no changing that. A little bit, a uh, little bit uh, Hindu caste system, if you ask me. <laughs> but um, maybe they're onto something. <laughs> maybe bowling for soup accidentally <laughs> accidentally reinvented Hinduism <laughs> that's why they're all the spiritualism nowadays no <laughs> it's all because of bowling for soup it's their, it's their fault 
I'm more tickled by that than I should. (laughs) Though I suppose for us in some ways, uh, high school certainly hasn't ended. Um, Well, it ended, but now we're back in high school uh, in some senses. Yeah, well, are we allowed to say where you are? Um, Well, I'm not going to say the specific location or anything, but I mean, I'm currently teaching in a high school right now. So, well, high school and, and junior high. So does it bring back a lot of the same vibes and energy you got from when you were in high school now? It brings back some energy uh, that I can definitely relate to. Like I see some of these kids, I'm like, oh no, you're going to go through the exact same things that I did, but you've just got, you just got to learn it for yourself, man. I cannot warn you. Mm-hmm. I am a, this is my albatross, I suppose, <laughs> if that's how you use that phrase. Um, no, it is, it is funny though, looking at high schoolers and seeing, huh, yeah, these are high school. I mean, it's not like we were in high school that long ago, mm-hmm. um, but the same issues that we had are the same issues that they're having and the same issues that uh, Bowling for Soup talked about, uh, the same issues we had. So it's mm-hmm. not like, yeah. And maybe that's a fault of the uh, um, of the American high school system, but or just the fact that teenagers are going to be teenagers. But yeah, it is kind of funny. Yeah, I'm working pretty closely with teenagers now as part of my job. And I feel a lot of those same feelings. And I feel like I I view a lot of them as being older, not than me, but just like older, more mature people. And then I see the things that they get in trouble with and the things that they do wrong or the decisions Mm -hmm. that they make. I was like, and I think to myself, yeah, these people are not ready to be people yet nope um yeah it's cute it's cute to watch them struggle Mm. oh for sure that was i mean that was actually something that i had to grapple with a little bit when i got here first Mm -hmm. um so for a little bit of background on my situation i didn't expect to be teaching uh this year i expected to be student teaching and now here i am teaching and i was given about two weeks notice week and a half before school started now the whole uh the whole situation is complicated, but suffice uh, shrunk down. Um, they were supposed to have a teacher here. They lost a teacher, and they said, "Hey, can we get uh, an emergency teacher for the year?" And I said, "Sure." Um, it's not like I came here without a choice, um, and now I'm here. And so, in any case, like learning that high school, it's like, oh yeah, that's right. I can't. Uh, I can't entrust them with nearly as much responsibility as I thought mm-hmm. I could. Because, well, first off, last two years have been like weird COVID years with school. So there's been so much that they've just like missed. And so there's a little bit that we got to take back there. But also like my expectations for them were far higher than they could like reasonably, Mm -hmm. uh, reasonably handle. I mean, it's good to have high expectations for your students, but it's a completely different thing to have unrealistic uh like college level yeah or you, expectations yeah. for your seventh graders you're right you've, or you've been operating at that level for so long now and it's just yeah. that that occupies 90 percent of what you do every single day and then to mm-hmm. scale that back to the base level that's something you, that you've learned and are comfortable with for six seven years now is yeah yeah no i i've Part of what I do with my high schoolers is 
talk to them about like time management and organization and stuff. And it's not like I'm the best at those things, but I've learned so much in mm-hmm. my high school and college years about what works well enough or mm-hmm. what things are beneficial, what things are going to lead you into ruin. And <laughs> to see like the looks on people's faces when you tell them those sorts of things and the impact they have on you, like to tell those high schoolers and the, the like see those lights kind of go on in their eyes and be like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I can see myself going down a dark path. Um, and it makes you step back and realize that you've learned so much, um, mm-hmm. but you're still like, but a lot of those experiences you learn them from are from those high school years because you had to go through them and lose a bunch of battles before you're able to come out clean on the other side, you know? Yeah. You have to figure out, uh, you have to figure it out for yourself in some cases. Mm-hmm. Just be like, oh yeah, this, uh, this doesn't work. Uh, I can't, I can't just, uh, wait till, you know, wait till midnight, uh, to hand, to do all my homework because then my body, uh, doesn't <laughs> like me at all for the next three days. I, I can't, I can't just do that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you try anyway, but, uh, it's. Have you ever, have you noticed ever that sometimes those things that teachers or other role models or just leaders in your life like say to you those like like you better do this or else this will happen you you realize those things are so so true like Mm. four years after the fact (laughs) because i've been getting a lot of those um now that i've been married um for a little bit here like a lot of those things have really come into full view now that i'm a real responsible adult person (laughs) yeah yeah, it's crazy. I mean, even I mean, talking about being a real responsible adult person, heck, teaching. Um, like people told me, they're like, "Hey, you know, your first year teaching is going to be really hard, um, and it's going to stink." And I was like, "Yeah, sure. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be hard." Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Yeah, you need to make sure you carve out time for yourself, and you need to make sure that you're staying in the word, and you got to make sure that you're doing this or that, and you're you're going to burn yourself out." Um, and guess who didn't pay attention to a lot of that advice uh, for mm-hmm. the first initial year? We're, what, a quarter into school now? A little over a quarter? Mm-hmm. Like two and a half months? And, who oh boy. And it's so... Like, there's such simple principles, and they make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And they... It's like, yeah, if I did those things, I would feel less burned out. But there's also the the other part of my brain that's clawing at me like, no, you've got so many things to do all of yeah, the time. Yeah, right. It's like you make yourself busy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you can really just make yourself busy doing productive things, you know, too. Yeah. And that's, and that's just a hard, like, switch to make is to be like, mm-hmm. no, I'm like, these things that are beneficial for me aren't chores, but they are. You know, like, these are yeah. things that are my, these are things that are for my benefit but they take work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's like when you see those pictures of like, um, what do I want to say? Like athletes. And it's like a person who has like a really fat body, but then like there's sure. a really chiseled person on that's inside with like the chisel and the hammer, like mm-hmm. chip slowly chipping away to make themselves, you know, beautiful or athletic or whatever you want to say. Like, that's just like you being you without the chiseled body. <laughs> You know, like that's just becoming yeah. a, like the best version of you that 
there can be mm-hmm. is to keep doing things that are beneficial but you know difficult yeah and i mean and well kind of to that the um like the problem thought in the back of my head is always like if i do these things then i'm not being productive and i won't be ready for school and i'm gonna let down the children and i'm gonna but i need to like force myself to think like no this is like cooking a proper meal for yourself is not only beneficial for yourself it's beneficial for your students because if you cook a proper meal for yourself you'll be properly energized and you will feel better and then you will teach better if you're feeling better Mm -hmm. and it's not all about planning i mean planning is a large part of it but you need to make sure that you're healthy as well um because if you're not healthy it doesn't matter how well you've planned you're gonna you're not going to teach well if you're feeling like garbage all of the time Mm mm-hmm no, yeah, I've really come to appreciate the benefits of a good night's sleep um, because I have a commute to the school I'm going to right now. For, well, it's mm. about a half hour commute. And I mean, I've been living in a dorm for the last eight years. So, you know, it's wake up at 725, get to class at yep. 730, you know, and I can't do that anymore. And yep. I mean, there's a strict dress code where I go. So, I mean, I can't just show up in sweatpants and wearing a suit and suit and tie every day. So there's mm-hmm. just, yeah, there's a lot to prepare yourself for. And like, you can see the, the good in that and the good in that routine in the, it, it just makes you feel better. Even though like it, it feels like the first, even the first few, few, first few dozen times you do it, it feels like a chore. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you get those moments where they feel like you just realize, oh, this was so worth all the time that I put in. Oh, yeah. Um, and then it just makes me feel like like a dumb ape a little bit <laughs> because I'm like, <laughs> oh, I knew this about weightlifting in ninth grade. Yeah. Like you do all you do all the weightlifting and then in the football game, you're so much stronger and ready to go. That's what you do in mm-hmm. the off season. And then you're ready to play football in the fall. <laughs> mm-hmm. and now it's just like oh yeah that but literally everything else in your life <laughs> is that's a benefit for yeah i get that i would mean, the yeah the moment you started talking about like the um like the forcing yourself to do everything out like the uh the first thing that came to my brain was when i started cross country my freshman year of high school i thought i liked running um so i was like oh i'll join cross country Uh, spoiler alert the longest i'd ever run was like a kilometer uh so first practice we have to run like two miles and i am uh for those of you who don't know how to convert those things it's about three kilometers (laughs) uh so i was like actually dying uh the whole time (laughs) and i'm like this is awful i hate this i am never want to do this again but then i was like no i'm gonna force myself to keep at this for at least two weeks and if i still hate it then i'll quit um and i'm surprised that i had the wherewithal to do that Mm. but i'm glad i did because i mean my my first 5k high school uh was like 29 minutes or something like that it was rough uh and i walked for decent chunks of it but then by the end of my high school career i was doing 
almost a 20 minute 5k which still isn't great but it's but it, way better than I, it's like yeah quite a bit yeah it's way better than i have been doing and then i kept that up through college and i still well now i'm here and i don't really run that much mm-hmm. um which i definitely should run more like it's something that helps me clear my mind and keeps my body going and whatever but do you get uh, runner's high i do okay here's here's what i noticed um so last summer i was really good about running i had and i might have i maybe i've talked about this on the podcast before but i'm gonna say it again because it's one of my favorite things last year i had the world's best schedule um for everything like i was on such a routine that I just felt great all of the time. I was working a factory job over the summer. So of course, very regular hours. And I decided a, that I was going to force myself to get very regular sleep and B that I was going to like run or bike very regularly. So every day after work, about three o'clock, I'd go for a run, um, except for Saturday and Sunday, Saturday, I'd go for a morning long run and Sunday I'd go for a morning bike before church. And that summer, felt like so good for running and i noticed that like the first three or four miles can be a struggle but once i get past and i mean not like that much of a struggle but once i get past five i just feel like i could go forever and i'm not at that point lie i no, it's it's so true it's so true i i that can't that can't possibly be true (laughs) because you get into you just get into a rhythm right and it just it just feels good. And when you've been doing it for so long, it makes it way easier. I mean, um, I mean, at the end of last summer, so my goal was I'm gonna run a half marathon. I didn't end up, I didn't run like a race or anything, but I ran a half marathon by myself, just running along, listening mm-hmm. to a podcast. It was a good time. And by the end of that, yeah, I was tired, but it didn't. Once I broke that five miles, I was like, okay. I've hit a routine. I can just keep going. As long as I don't stop, I'll be fine. (laughs) And afterwards, I was tired and my legs kind of hurt, but it felt really good that I had just accomplished that. And so it's, yeah, I don't know. You you get to a certain point and you hit that flow state. You just kind of go. I don't think I'm ever going to get there, Noah. I don't think I ever want to. <laughs> it's just not. I don't ever think it's something I need to experience. And that's or fine. Want to. You can you can get your high from other places. You can get your cheese doodle high. Mm-hmm. Um, you can I'm get a big cheese doodle high guy. <laughs> you can get whatever other high you need as long as it's not illicit drugs, because um, those are bad. Ooh. But. Is that, is that a bad st- is that a is that a hard line stance uh-huh. to take on this podcast? Yes. Illegal drugs are, are bad. bad. <laughs> you marry Sue over there. <laughs> uh, no, but there's something there's something to be said for just like having done a thing, and I mean that was after eight years of seven years of. Mm-hmm just of getting into it and running and maybe like if i had done more work i probably could have run a half marathon sooner but i didn't but like that it it took me seven years to get that get to that point you're really selling this no 
<laughs> but where was I going with this? Oh yeah, the the little bit every day kind of thing um, that you've just got to kind of push through. It's eventually you'll see results if you mm-hmm. keep going at it, but it stinks. Yeah, it's really um, hard to do. Yeah, especially especially, right at the, right at the especially when you're starting and it's this. It's like wow, all these other people can do all these better things i mean heck when i started cross country i was like wow all these people can that can run like 16 17 minute 5ks mm-hmm. i'm like that's insane i'm running 28 minutes this is nonsense but also all those people had been a running far longer than i had b were more naturally gifted than i was uh and yeah mm-hmm. so that like they had been yeah, they were A, more talented, and B, had been working harder at it for longer. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, duh, they're going to be better. Yeah. Uh, it's so hard to see that from the onset, though. Like, oh, you yeah. Can, like, you can recognize it, but it's just like, it, there's just such an, like an incline to get to, like, mm. a place where you feel passable in something, you know? Like, mm-hmm. uh, like and some people can just pick stuff up, and they're they're fine. Like, mm-hmm. my brother's like that with, with athletics. He's just super good at, like... Just pick anything up, and like, good on him. But like, I don't know. Mm. It's it's really hard for me to get started. I'm really excited to get started for something, and then you see like all the level of effort that needs to go into it. Like, can quickly just deteriorate all motivation for doing the thing, because it's so hard to get to a point where you feel good about yourself, and it's because it's really hard to see yourself fail. Because, like, mm-hmm. you know, you're supposed to be, like, your number one fan, but, like... <laughs> but you're also your number one critic. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that, like, the... What is that? The the Dunning-Kruger effect? Oh, when you... Like, the the less you know about a topic, the more you think you know about a topic. <laughs> yeah, there's, like, mm-hmm. a steep... There's a steep incline in, like... How Conf- much? How much you th- and perceived oh. knowledge, right? Confidence and perceived knowledge. Yeah, there's a steep incline in confidence and perceived knowledge, um, like right away when you don't know a lot. But then, like there comes a there comes like a threshold where if you keep going with that, if you if you're not like, well, I know everything, so now I'm going to stop. If you could, if you push through that just a little bit more then you find this mountain of everything that you don't know. And you're like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, no, I know nothing. <laughs> and and you despair a little bit. But then if you can push through that, then you can become a lot better at yeah. knowing things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so easy to get that, like, especially with information, just to get that little, like, mm-hmm. bit that gives you an edge on somebody. <laughs> You know, like it's just, yep. it's one, it's that human nature thing where you just like, you love being better than somebody else. Oh yeah. You know, if I think I know this one thing more than other people, ooh, that just, that, that feels good. That's mm-hmm. my runner's high <laughs> is knowing <laughs> one tidbit of fact over somebody else or some like, I don't know. Yeah. Just some truth that you can mm-hmm. like, ooh, I know this. And you know, you, then you spout it out 15 times in the next 14 days. And then you're like, I feel better than these people. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> uh, like, and that, and that like plays into like, 
you know, like what kind of information we get nowadays and stuff too, mm-hmm. like what gets like said on the news because it's really easy to like, or just like wherever you get your media from, it, it, it's everything's framed in a way that makes it seem like you just, you're getting this little nugget of information that gives you an edge or like mm-hmm. gives your side an edge. You understand what I'm saying? I think so. Yeah. It's yeah, the, it's so, yeah. like, yeah, it's like everything's competitive. Mm-hmm. competitive knowledge mm-hmm. yeah instead of you know working together and like iron sharpens iron you know it's like mm-hmm. idiot <laughs> dulls idiot for them you know myself yeah it's inclu- just that myself included yeah you see that like i mean you see yeah you see that on the news and stuff too just that like you know this this news station tells you this thing but what they didn't tell you is this other little bit of out-of-context knowledge that now you can use to feel superior about yourself and your conversations with your friends no, but, um, yeah. and your enemies. <sighs> yeah. How do people make friends, Noah? <laughs> like, out, like... Same way you do in high school. Like, right? Find people with common interests. Yeah. yeah. Find people with common interests or that happen to be in the same physical location as yeah. you. I think it's like, like it's and like, you make the best of it. Like, how do you find like high quality friends, you know, like in a, in an age where people, you know, flee from, you know, being wrong or having someone mm-hmm. oppose them. Like, how do you make quality friends that, you know, tell you you're doing the wrong thing? And mean it, you know, for your benefit. Like, where do you go to find those people? Trial and error, I suppose. Um, that sucks. Yeah, it's not the best. But, I mean, it's what we've got. Mm-hmm. But when you find those people, they're great. When yeah. you find those friends that can push that can push back, not in like a, oh, you're like dumb that you don't know this. Like, mm-hmm. why would why would you ever do anything that way? That's just stupid. When you can find people that aren't like that, but that come to you and are concerned about you and, you know, have a genuine kind of desire for you to be better. Um, right. For no, like, and like, yeah, like for no gain of their own. Yeah. Too. Yeah. No, they're just like, hey, man, like you're like, can we talk about this? Like, I see you're not like you're doing this wrong um like you should probably get back on the get back on the right path here otherwise like i could see this ending up really poorly for you or or even being able to go to someone for like criticism i suppose like like you go to them very explicitly like hey i need feedback on this please give me like actual feedback don't just don't just tell me i'm doing well uh so as to not hurt my feelings Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to do as you get older, though. Mm. How do you mean? Like, especially like within our professions, you know, like it's just it's really easy to be some like go somewhere and just then you end up on your own, um, and you kind of lose out on some of those close bonds you formed through your like education experience. Sure. And then you can kind of end up like on an island 
and without really a good way to form those close relationships again. Sure. I get that. I totally get that where I'm at. Yeah, no, I, I, that's why I'm, yeah, I'm mentioning it to you because I feel like, I mean, theoretically, if it's a year where you are, mm-hmm. you can kind of understand that maybe there's just a, there's a end to what you're going through right now. Mm-hmm. But I think like, you know, when you, when you finish up school and you actually go out and teach somewhere like the, and I, I think about that, about becoming a pastor too, is, you know, you spend all this time with people you're super close to. And then all all of a sudden you're like thrown out into the world and there's a, there's a network. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's not like, it's not like it was. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally get that. I mean, and that's, see, you say the, the one year thing being a little bit of a, like a good thing, I suppose, because it's, like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but I mean, there's, there's give and take with that. Cause I mean, just being here for one year, there's a little bit of me that says, well, I don't want to get like too, too involved. Invested. Yeah. Too invested. I don't want to get too invested because other, like I'm going to be leaving in a year. I can't like, I can't really set down roots or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I remember a mutual friend of ours saying uh, something about that when she had an emergency call that, she was like there was part of that that she was frustrated that she couldn't like actually you know set down roots she was just kind of back and forth like she's like okay i'm just here i'm just here for a little bit and that's it Mm -hmm. um and then she had to come back for student teaching like i will uh and again and like those same kinds of frustrations like okay like now that i've been out teaching now i like i just want to find somewhere where i can set down Roots. and like be where i can be there for a few years yeah. where i can like fully invest myself mm-hmm. and like i'm feeling that <laughs> yeah. now even just being a couple months in it's like it's like i i wish i was just kind of here mm-hmm. i wish i i wish it, this wasn't an emergency call in some ways like in some ways i'm glad that it's an emergency call so that i can I mean, I can go back and I can take what I've learned and use that in student teaching and kind of refine my teaching style and whatever with somebody observing me and all that. And that'll be good and that'll be nice. But there's also something to be said for, well, I could just stick around here (laughs) and teach for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I know part of me just kind of limits the fact that, you know, it's like you're buying a dog. Like, it's just you do something forever many years and then it just like rips your heart out at the end when you have to leave it mm-hmm. you know but i i don't know so that stuff's just an excuse for me to like just love so hard you know because mm-hmm. like why would i want to do anything else with my time yeah you know like i just like whatever whatever situation you're in you just you, what in whatever situation you're in you just give it everything you know, just give everyone your everything and just leave parts of you just everywhere that you go, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like, I don't know if it's morbid or whatever it is, but just like... But, I mean, that's that's the other response to the, uh, to the everything is temporary mm-hmm. idea. Like, there's 
part of there's the one response um, the one extreme like oh well i mean if i'm only here for a little bit i shouldn't do anything so i don't get too attached so i don't hurt at the end um but there's the other end that's like well i'm only here for so long i should like i need to make the most of it like i need to Mm -hmm. throw myself out there as much as possible which is i mean there's pros and cons to both but yeah it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all or whatever yeah it's like yeah like growing your heart so you can just rip it out you know give it to other people yeah growing your liver so that you can rip it out because it'll grow back (laughs) this is why i wish the uh the seed of emotion didn't was that no the greeks said the kidneys weren't the greeks about the stomach and so the stomach was the the, kidneys or was that the germans i thought it was the kidneys Uh, there's a word for it like splunkitzomai or something like that it's like you felt like when jesus was deeply moved like he felt it in his kidneys (laughs) (laughs) maybe jesus just had a kidney stone you know instead like you feel in compassion he does that forrest gump thing where he puts his hands on his like lower back you know (laughs) yeah but no i wish that Actually, now that I think about it, now I really want to use um, the analogy of the liver as the seat of emotion. Because you can tear... Because I don't remember how much of your liver you can tear it. It's like a... It's some ridiculous it's amount. It's like 60% or something, Is it right? 60? I want yes, to say Yes, because third. I'm not looking it up. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a lot. I think it's like a, it's a good portion. You can, tear, you can tear out a good portion of your liver and it will grow back. And I don't know how often that happens or how, how long it how takes to grow you back. Out your liver or how often you rip your Yeah. <laughs> how many times you could rip out 50% sure of your liver before you rip out your liver every 30 days so you can get a new one. <laughs> yeah. I need fresh liver. Um, but that idea that, like, you can tear out this, like, first off, you're not tearing out your whole liver. And you just leave little pe- leave little pieces of liver everywhere um so i mean a broken heart you can't uh when your heart breaks it's very difficult to fix um not only because uh your well if if heart if cardiac muscle cells die uh they're dead they're not coming back like you can't you don't replace those um they just keep going and eventually you die uh and so if those die or if those seize up like you just can't get those back but your liver I mean, if you have a broken liver, it sounds silly, but I mean, if this was a broken heart is also a weird turn of phrase Mm -hmm. Um, when you think about it literally. Like if you've got a broken heart, that's impossible to repair. But if you've got a broken liver, well, Mm -hmm. it'll stink for a bit, but it'll grow back. Could you grow a whole new liver from the piece of your liver? I don't know. I don't know. Again, I don't know how much liver... I don't, know, I don't know how much liver you can tear out before it won't grow back, but it's the only organ that I can think of that will grow back if you tear chunks of it out. So This is a scary analogy for real life. <laughs> how much liver can I rip out before I don't, it doesn't grow back? <laughs> how much liver can you lose? Yeah. How many livings can I have? Yeah. No. I don't know. I know my like face stays the same way, like regardless of what emotion I'm feeling. But like, I just like to feel things so much. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. There's so much like positive to giving yourself to people, you know, and just like 
so much power and weakness mm-hmm. that yeah i don't know you, you see so much of people when you show them yourselves you know because like well, like when you can find someone who can reciprocate you know and find appropriate times to do those things but when you can and you do mm-hmm. you see people where they need to be met and then what a blessing then what a blessing when you can you know yeah, that's just like part mm-hmm. of what I want to be and do, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because people are just so... I don't know if you've ever noticed this. No, people are really cool when you get to know them. <laughs> now, hold on. I think you're, I think you're, you're yanking my so chain nothing, here. Nothing like the simulations. <laughs> yeah. No, there's a unique story in everybody. It's so cool mm-hmm. to like back into it a little bit and like walk around the house of their emotions and feelings and mm-hmm. like learn the walls and see the furniture. Yeah. And that's, I, that's something that has been really cool with my students and that is going to be very hard to leave um, is how I'm like, even just in this first quarter, how I'm getting to know them and their stories and their families and what they're interested in and trying to, trying to pick at those little bits of like, okay, let's try to integrate this a little bit so that they're interested in it. Um, one, oh, what was that? A couple weeks ago, my seventh grade life science class, they had to do these, um, they had to, they got to do these cell analogies. And so they had to compare the cell and its organelles to another thing. Um, so the example that I gave them was to a city. So in a city, the nucleus or the the mayor is like the nucleus because the mayor runs the town in the same way as the nucleus runs the cell um and the golgi apparatus is like the post office because the golgi apparatus packages proteins and gets them ready to be shipped much like the post office packages up packages and gets them up to be shipped and so that sort of thing and so i encourage them i'm like hey pick something that you know really well and try to make a um and try to analogize it, try to make connections between how a cell functions and how whatever you've chosen functions. Um, and like make those, make those connections in your brain. I see you've raised your hand on the Google meet. Uh, yeah. What was the endoplasmic reticulum? Um, why was it not the taxi service? (laughs) The endoplasmic reticulum was, was it small shops? Yeah, the I'm trying to remember exactly now. I think it was like it was like the uh, like the the market district or something because that's where because the ribosomes are where the proteins are made. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the analogy was like the whole city is there to make like the whole the whole purpose of the city is to make steel widgets. Steel widgets are like the the proteins, mm-hmm. and so people that uh, the the small shops that are making these are the ribosomes and then because ribosomes make proteins Mm -hmm. and then the the endoplasmic reticulum would be like like that district i suppose yeah yeah it was it was interesting seeing Mm -hmm. what the kids came up with um and what i think was the most fun was like pushing back on their ideas a little bit Mm -hmm. and being like well why did you choose this why is this the way it is and they would explain and sometimes they couldn't tell me and that would mean they had to rework a couple things sometimes they could 
they had a really good explanation for it. I'm like, okay, you understand what you're doing. This is good. Um, like I had one girl did compared it to the TARDIS from Doctor Who, uh, which was re- like some of the connections were stretches. They were some of them really were, but it like the connections were made. And I'm like, okay, you understand. Like, and I saw these. And I'm like, you understand what's going on with the cell. Um, a couple of girls did Mario Kart. Um, one kid did. Uh, a couple of kids did a factory. One kid did um, Metroid, like the video game Metroid. You're just trying to appeal um, to your inner nerd, Noah. You're like, uh, no. Well, here's the thing. One kid did uh, an airsoft gun, and I was like, interesting. I was like, I'm. When when he proposed the idea to me, I said. I don't know how I feel because and this kid isn't like necessarily the most excited about life science or school in mm-hmm. general, really. Sure. Yeah, I'm not going to go into too much more detail on him, um, but he had this idea, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to let you run with it because this is something that I know you like. He's super like he'll come in in the morning and be like, Mr. Arnold, like. I got like, have you ever heard of this, this airsoft gun or like this company? I'm like, I've, I don't know what you're talking about. You are, these are words that mean nothing to me. And he'll like talk about it. I'm like, okay. I'm like, that's really cool uh, for you. All half of these words are going over my head, but I'm glad that you're excited about this. And then I was like, you know what? Fine. I'll like, I'll let you do this project. And you know what? They got like, I think it was a 30 point project. They got 29 out of 30 points on their project. Cause they, all the connections they made were really good. And I'm like, okay, now I've, I've, haha, I've tricked you into learning things about science uh, because it's like, clearly, like you have to understand what these cell parts are doing in order to make those connections with whatever gun it was. I don't remember what the, what the name of it was, mm-hmm. but you have to be making those connections in order to do this. And so it was, yeah, it was cool to see him like get into that and be interested in that i was like okay this is this is working at least a little bit nice that's cool no it's it's cool yeah. that you've like you've got creative assignments that people or that your students can uh like really find themselves in that's that i think that's good that's just good teaching i will opinion. say i uh full disclosure i stole this from the guy who was here last yep um and i was like Hey, that's a good idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. Tweak it just a little bit, but mm-hmm. that's all yeah. teaching is is just stealing things from other people, right? Yeah, until eventually you've stolen an amalgam of things from enough people that it's not just one person that you've stolen from, and now you're a unique person because you've stolen from enough people. Yeah, no, it's like one one of the lenses people see you through. Then is this mosaic of everybody else in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what is that? What is that thing about you are the average of your five closest friends or yeah. something? Mm-hmm. Here's a weird factoid: on average, your friends have more friends than you because you're in one of their friends. Like, because you can't be friends with yourself. No, because I think the the reason is because like most people have kind of an average number of friends. 
but you're probably friends with a popular person who has a lot more friends than most people, and they skew the average oh. uh, much higher. And okay. so, so you're probably yeah. not a popular person, but you're probably friends with a popular person. And that popular person has more friends th- than you. That's Therefore, they bring the average of the number of friends that your friends have higher because they're an outlier. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it, it was a weird statistic oh I saw one God. time. I was like, huh, I guess that makes, makes sense, sense when you explain it that way. Yeah. But it's still weird to think what about. about. And then what about those people on the other side who don't have any friends? But I guess they're not your friends either. So yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Friends. What were we talking about? Oh, I was lamenting the fact that I'll never have friends when I'm older. Oh, that's right. <laughs> you know, that happy thought that, you know, you just kind of like meet people and then they go away. Yeah. I mean, that's the nice thing about. I mean, in your situation anyway, being married. Yep, I got one. It's like, <laughs> you, you got locked one. in. She's stuck with you. <laughs> got her. Yeah, she didn't know what she's getting into. No, that is a, that is a huge blessing, um, mm. and I will definitely lean on her a lot as we grow old together. But yeah, no, I just think the future can seem like a lonely, a lonely place. All things considered. Maybe we'll still be friends, right, Noah? <laughs> well, we've still got this podcast. We have to be friends, right? Right, yeah. As long as we don't get to 10 podcasts, we can still be friends. <laughs> we'll get to 10 Choose podcasts wisely. eventually. <laughs> Choose the topics wisely. <laughs> uh, someday we'll get there. Someday we'll find it. The Rainbow Connection. I had a thought, but I'm not sure how deep I want to get into the podcast. How how deep I want to get on the podcast into my personal life. Just phrase it in the right way. Yeah. That's easy. Yeah. Well, thinking about that idea um, of growing I suppose, old and alone. Yeah. Well, that. So that was something that did kind of hit me when I got here. Was the fact that I'm just kind of here on my own. I mean, especially, see, for those who don't know, this summer I went through a breakup that was a little bit rough, um, to put it lightly, a lot of emotions. And then coming here, it was weird, like, oh, I'm like here and I'm very much like that idea of being on my own was very salient uh, in my mind, that idea of, huh. I guess it's just me. And that is, I suppose, a feeling that I've had to work against the last couple of months. Because it's like, no, it's not just me here. Like, sure, when I come back to my apartment, it's just me. But there's still other people around. And I'm not completely Mm -hmm. alone all of the time. And so to think in those kinds of terms is a little bit... Oh, it's a little bit rude to the people around me, I suppose. Right, yeah. It's like... Oh, woe is me, I'm all alone, and this is my lot in life, and this is where I'm going to be. Oh, boo hoo hoo. And then it's. And this, while I, I say this while I face a corner um, with uh, all of my friends directly behind me, because. I mean, and that, and that was something that, that was a huge blessing that 
came out of came out of all that it's like oh yeah i do have a lot of friends that are uh that are here for me and that are willing to you know that are that are willing to be there for me which was uh that that was a blessing that came out of this mm-hmm. but it was still yeah it was still weird that idea of like yes i am alone here uh, which is both very freeing and very terrifying at the same time mm-hmm. yeah no it's it's like those experiences that make you realize how like how nice it is that we have someone like running our lives for us in a way yeah you know like if I planned out my life, I would have none of the suffering that I've experienced in my life. But then I also wouldn't be the person who I am today. Oh, no. You know, I'd be a spoiled brat, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm thankful for all the hard things I've gone through because, you know, mm-hmm. they make you understand. They make you understand, like, what you need to be. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I want to be the person that helps, you know, me out. When I'm 14, mm-hmm. you know, I want to be that person for somebody else because it's what a powerful thing to be is someone that you know you need or needed mm-hmm. um, to be that person for somebody else. And it and the only, a lot of times the only way you get there is, you know, kicking and screaming through the toughest parts through the toughest parts of your life. Mm-hmm. And I like you have to you have to be thankful for them because what else can you be? You know, yeah. you can be you could be spiteful, I suppose. Yeah, you could be spiteful, <laughs> but then like, who wants to be that person? Yeah, who wants to hang out with that person? <laughs> who wants to look in the mirror and see that that's them? Mm-hmm. I'd rather be thankful with tears. You know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that was. And I mean, that was something this summer as well that like, that didn't click for me until like two weeks in. I was like, oh, I should probably like talk to my dad about this. He probably has some, uh, he probably has some experience. He probably has some, some life stories he can tell me. Uh, And dang it, he did. Uh, He had some, it's like, huh, he's, it's almost like he's got 30 more years of, uh, of life to draw upon Mm -hmm. that as well as being a pastor and having dealt with everything under the sun Mm -hmm. in 25 years of ministry or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it's like, Hey, there, there are people here that have had experiences. um, If not the same as yours, similar, and they've lived through them. How did they do it? Yeah. Or if not even similar, just the will to help. Mm-hmm. you know in whatever way it is even if it's just like you know crawling in the pit with you mm-hmm. i love that metaphor so much you know just crawling in the pit with somebody mm-hmm. yeah because w- what is it like sympathy is looking down and recognizing that somebody is in the pit mm-hmm. and like empathy is getting into the pit with them and like just kind of yeah, you just like sit there with them you know yeah or it's like i think our professor put it, how did he put it? Like in the reference to the story of Job, like the best thing Job's friends did for him was sit with him for a week and shut up. You know? <laughs> yeah. They just kind of vibed there. Yeah. Um, not a great vibe, but no. they were there 
Yeah, and even that is helpful, just having someone that's literally willing to sit there mm -hmm. and just having that knowledge that that knowledge and that very present knowledge that it's like, hey, somebody else is here is so helpful. Yeah. yeah. Like there's yeah. someone here that is willing to just kind of in some ways waste their own time. Mm-hmm and not do other productive things or not do other things that they might uh, want to do uh, and just kind of sit there and mm. be there. Yep. It's never been a waste of time. All the times that I've been there for someone like that, I, it's never been a waste of time. Even if mm -hmm. like things didn't get done, like it's, it's never been a waste of time. And I like my sinful human mind tells me it is every time, but it's <laughs> never a waste of time to be there mm -hmm. for somebody and then yeah and then when people have been there for me it's just invaluable that it, that connection that you can feel with them then for sure um or just how greatly you appreciate that fact that they were and wanted to be mm -hmm. it's a beautiful thing to bring it back to the quote just a little bit that was one thing that i really appreciated about where we went to high school was just having all of just having all my friends there all of the time and having and being able to grow those bonds mm -hmm. um in the dorm just because it's like well we're we're yeah. here yeah, together yeah. Yeah, so too. we've yeah. got to, we have to learn to like each other otherwise things are not going to go well and which makes it sound like a bad thing but in the end you end up forming these like these really close friendships mm -hmm. with people that i mean you just that you just wouldn't otherwise because mm -hmm. you wouldn't have that sort of opportunity and especially in those kind of those formative years of high school mm -hmm. it's yeah you learn to kind of to kind of lean on those friends and you learn how to in the best cases anyway you learn how to empathize more and you learn how to yeah mm -hmm. you learn how to be that person as well as how to have that person mm-hmm or the the value of that person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then just because you know who you are in high school is just like a mess. Or just like yeah, or just like everything just feels so more real. Like feels so much more real. Mm -hmm. Or like for whatever reason, it's just like these are the first time I'm experiencing these things. So there's just so much mm -hmm. more drama and emotion behind them. Yeah, you have um, no context. Yeah. yeah right. And so then when you go through them the first time, if you can like bring them to a resolution that puts you on the path to overcoming and getting through those situations in a positive mm -hmm. way, it just rings so much more true for you in the future uh, as mm -hmm. you keep encountering those situations and as you can be a light for those people who are in those situations or in dealing with something similar. And it, it's a benefit that where we went to high school, you're able to, in a way, form those things fat, like not, f I don't want to say like fast, like you, like it's in a dismissive way. Like you do have like all this bad stuff happens and then you figure it out and all this bad stuff happens, figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, like you go through real things and then you get to experience real growth on your own. For the mm -hmm. most part, and what and whatever form that takes, um, for sure. And yeah, so then, 
Yeah, you really do feel like you're really independent when you're, you know, 14, 15, mm-hmm. 16, going through those things for the first time. And it's good when during those formative years you can put yourself on the right path. Or if you haven't after that point, understand where you need to correct. Because mm-hmm. that's a part of high school that never ends. Is you're always kind of who you were in some semblance of who you are. Like whether you've embraced that Mm -hmm. embrace like similar roles to who you were in high school or if you've learned from the person you were and sought to improve upon it and not just begrudgingly stick your head in the sand you know yeah let things pass you by Um, you keep those experiences with you the rest of your life because they were so meaningful at the time. Mm-hmm. And that's not like high school is all there is, of course. But I'm not according to bowling for suit. <laughs> but the but at least for a while, those things will help you inform who you are for years to come. Mm-hmm. And you draw off those things to become a more full you. Because mm-hmm. for a lot of people those are powerful experiences so oh yeah yeah something like that right yeah something like that (laughs) hey thanks for being a cool friend yeah hey same to you i'm glad we yeah i'm glad i found you you know it's weird how you know god knows just who you need for sure yeah it is weird that we've been friends for eight years now Something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember taking walks with you freshman year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to any high schoolers who may be listening, here's my best piece of advice for you. Don't worry about girls. Like, your first two years of high school, <laughs> at least. Like, just don't bother with it. It's not worth it yeah just don't (laughs) it's a hassle and a half it's a hassle and a half worrying about it that's not to say i was successful at all my first two (laughs) years of high school (laughs) and that that's what i was that's what was the hassle and a half but no the hassle and a half was worrying about it just don't Mm -hmm. it's a waste of time my piece of advice to high schoolers love people and learn what that means. I feel like that's a better piece of advice than my advice. But... I don't know. I, I don't think we have to compare advice, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to rate your advice on a scale of 1 to 10. I'd say no. sophomore. I don't know. <laughs> huh. No, that's good advice. I don't know. Whatever that means to you, Noah. I feel like freshman me could have used that advice. <laughs> I think uh, freshman me could have used a lot of advice. I mean, current me can use a lot of advice. So, <laughs> so if you have any mm. illogically sound podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. That's the, um, that's something interesting that I have, 
I guess I learned through science and the history of science mm-hmm. because everybody, every generation thinks they know the most. Every generation thinks like, oh, we have like, we're the and pinnacle. that's just, that's yeah. part of the way we are as humans. It's like, we think we've reached a product and this is the final product and this is where we are. I mean, like you look back at people from the 1500s or whatever using leeches because they thought like, oh, you have too much blood. Yeah. Here, let's take some too of that blood, blood out and that'll rebalance your, mm-hmm. that'll rebalance your humors. Like, what? I mean, we look back at that now and we're like, no, dude, leave as much blood in them as possible, please. Um, or that like rubbing mercury on your chest could uh, could alleviate like chest pain and whatever. Like, ah, that'll alleviate chest pain um, permanently. Killing, <laughs> killing you. Um, Turn your skin but blue. But it's like, yeah, like we look back at these things. And we think that one of my one of my favorites to think back on is okay. So, and I may maybe I've told you this before, but I'm going to work through the whole. Mm-hmm. I'm going to work through the whole process. So, hysteria. Mm-hmm. You know the word hysteria, yes. right? Mm-hmm. What does what does hysteria mean? But, um, and being overcome with emotion. Yeah, I th- yeah I feel like that's a good working definition. Mm-hmm. And then so, another word for you, hysterectomy. Mm. What is a hysterectomy? Um, it's when you remove, is it female reproductive organs? It's when you remove the uterus specifically. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think typically they take out everything, but the uterus specifically. Have you ever wondered why hysteria and hysterectomy seem to have a say, the same root word there? Why is and that? Hyster? That's because the Greeks believed, because uh, this comes from Greek, uh, the Greeks believed that the reason uh, women be crazy or whatever, uh, it, this is not me, this is the Greeks, uh, the Greeks believed this that... 10th grade Noah. <laughs> <laughs> the Greeks believed this is because the uterus would move around the body, and it made women emotional depending on where the uterus was in the body was like what emotion they'd be having uh and so since it it moved around so rapidly that's why women had like random mood fluctuations and whatever and so this was the greeks uh understanding of a the uterus uh and b why women are crazy i suppose (laughs) from their perspective and so it's just it's funny to look back on those things and think like, wow, those people were so dumb. I can't believe they mm. thought that. But they were going off the best data they had at the time, which in some cases was literally just random things that they came up with. Um, and that's sometimes what we're going off of now with with little data and whatever. And so this is something that I try to, that I'm trying anyway to impress on my students. Like, hey, we haven't learned everything. There are still plenty of, there are still so many things to learn. Um, this is not a product and that's something that we can take into our like our own personal lives as well this is a, lo- a long way of getting to this point that it's like we always think that we've got it all figured out and we look back we're like we look back at our past and we're like wow how dumb were we that we thought that it's like well actually we like we weren't that dumb we just had less information mm-hmm. it's like read any piece of emotional writing from your high school days you know (laughs) (laughs) 
It meant a lot to you at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did we go through my poetry analogy oh. from sophomore year high school? Did we talk about that? I like in our personal lives, not on this podcast. But uh, I think maybe. Yeah. Uh, there's <laughs> there's a couple of poems in there in particular that I look back. I'm like, wow, that is like really cringy. Mm-hmm. It's like I wish I had had a little bit more perspective at the time, and so I had it. I wish I hadn't written that. But also, it's funny to look back on. Yep. So I'm kind of, in that way, I'm glad that I wrote it. <sighs> I don't it. have my poetry anthology. I'm so mad. I don't have access to my account anymore. It's sad. Oh, yeah. Hey, you could probably just email oh, yeah, uh, whoever runs that now mm-hmm. and be like, hey, can I have uh, access to my email, please? Mm-hmm. I just, I shared a bunch of files with my personal email before we, uh, we left school. Yeah, I did a couple of those, but not that one. Yeah. <laughs> Oh well, yeah, yeah. It's funny what's important when you have not even necessarily like less perspective, just like a different perspective. Mm-hmm. But then also to grow, you have to grow that sort of self awareness. You can't just be born with it. Mm-hmm. I suppose. Agree. Self awareness is a skill. Mm-hmm. I see you've raised your hand again in the in the uh, in the video chat. Yeah, um, Sophie wants me to come to bed. <laughs> it's it's about that time of the evening oh your wife wants you to come to bed uh yeah (laughs) your wife wants you to stop talking uh at whatever time she wants me to get some good sleep because i get school tomorrow as do i I, so i should probably get uh i should probably get some sleep as well Mm -hmm. okay well uh that was deeper longer than our uh than our normal podcasts are. But you hit a nerve, Noah. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. Uh, so to wrap it, wrap it up back to the quote, um, high school never ends in that we never stop learning uh, to be better people. Mm-hmm. And isn't that what high school is all about? Learning and people. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Mm-hmm. Who does the sign off? Is that me again? Um, I don't think it matters. Oh, I think it's always you. Cause I, is it always me? Because I, I never remember. <laughs> <laughs> we always debate about this. In any case, um, well, I guess that's been the podcast. I am at, let's see, we, sorry, mm. we, plural, don't are at Ill Sound Podcast uh, on Twitter. Please follow us on Twitter, at Ill Sound Podcast. Um, we're illogically sound podcast at gmail.com if you want to shoot us an email. Um, I think that's all that we are and all that we will ever be. Yeah. This is it, Noah. We peaked. <laughs> we, we peaked at 22. <laughs> uh, if only, you know? Yep. But trying to think, I think that's everything we do for the outro. Yeah. Uh, yeah, follow us. Um, if you think we're mildly enjoyable, share us with a friend. Mm. Um, again, I'm never sure who this podcast is for. If it's just for us or if it's for other people It's probably well. just for us. Maybe we should stop advertising it and then just let people stumble <laughs> upon, oh man, they've made 55 episodes. <laughs> when do you think we'll ever get to 55 episodes? In a hundred years. Yeah. yeah Noah. <laughs> <laughs>
So I thought I'd take it back to our eighth (laughs) quote. (laughs) Do you still think high school never ends? (laughs) What? What? (laughs) What? Uh, Speak louder. Speak into the microphone. I was wondering uh, speaking what speaking to I, the microphone. I was trying to what, remember what voice I was doing. I was like, I'm, de- I'm definitely doing a voice. <laughs> Bad. You merely adapted the podcast. I was born in it. Molded by. No one wants to hear our crappy pain impressions. Least of all me. <laughs> Well, in the words of Bane. First I'll break your spirit. Then your body. <laughs> I like how he sounded excited at the end. I don't remember that from the movie. Yeah. I feel like he was slightly excited when he broke Batman's back. That's a powerful way to destroy a man. You know, break his mm. spirit and then just slam him over your knee. Stop fantasizing. Let's end the show. <laughs> All right. All right. This is well, Jacob Donald Bitter signing off. Uh this is Noah Arnold signing off, I suppose. We'll we'll talk to you next time in episode nine. Alright. All right. Bye-bye. Oh, is that a flash of lightning? Maybe. In any case, sorry, I'm like a. Does that mean you're gonna die if, like, you're, since you're connected to all these wires? <laughs> I'm connected to so many wires. <laughs> is something wrong, Noah? Am I about to watch a no, murder? No, did you? Were you hearing that or no? No. Oh, okay. I heard just heard so much thunder. I hope that. I kind of hope that came over the recording. So then, yeah. in any case, I can just cut all this out just, so I don't just, quite sound like a madman. You just add in a fart noise. It'd probably be about the same coming from you. <laughs> probably. <laughs>